Welcome to the Bible Professor Podcast Show. Here is your host, the Reverend Dr. Mel Winstead. Thanks, Dr. Mel. It's a pleasure to join you. Um, I started my biblical education back in uh, 2000, formally, uh, formally um, enrolled at Dallas Theological Seminary. We were in Texas at the time. Um, so I'm finishing up now. Uh, it's wonderful to take a two-year program and turn it into a 22-year program, but I don't recommend it. For only everybody. certain people, only only certain special people can do that. Have the ability to do that. that that's right, and the Lord's timing is always perfect. But Amen. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, actually, it was uh, a matter of uh, coming into the COVID season. I was teaching Bible on Zoom, and my uh, dear husband and biggest fan. Bill Webb said, why don't you take this time and finish your master's? And I said, right, that's kind of a crazy idea. And he said, no, no, come here. I want you to look at what Southern Evangelical Seminary offers. He had been doing the research before making that suggestion. And he knew that uh, there were a lot of ties to DTS, but uh, we are in Eastern North Carolina, and when he said that uh, SES is in Charlotte, I said, gosh, that, that sounds a whole lot better. Let's take a look. So after some prayer and discernment, we decided to go for it, and um, the seminary was gracious to give me credit for my uh, DTS studies that I had done, even though they'd been a while. Um, mm-hmm. Good thing about studying Bible as opposed to <clears throat> studying technology or almost anything else, it hasn't changed a lot. <laughs> so, Never goes out of date. So That's right. I, liter- I literally picked up where I left off and was so blessed to be included in what SES has to offer. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, before we get into your ministry and apologetics, tell us a little more about um, maybe your your family background or what you're doing in Eastern North Carolina? How how did you're not from there, right? No, originally from Texas. Um, I did my undergraduate work in North Texas in the the greater Dallas area and came to Christ in college um, because of the witness in the classroom of, uh, of a student who said, if you study world philosophy, you'll find there aren't any answers. And if you study biblical theology, you'll find there are. So we engaged in a very uh, elongated conversation. He was in one of my uh, classes, and it happened to be a philosophy of religion class where the professor was not only confrontational, but actually combative with this man. Now, this is in the 70s. So um, I realized that there's an old saying, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you don't have the facts, pound the table. And I saw the philosophy professor pounding on this guy, um, ad hominem, straw man, all kinds Mm -hmm. of completely... um, 
Wow. Non-kosher <laughs> ways of approaching the conversation. And wow. so I began that long conversation with him. And uh, it's, you know, fast forward to the conclusion, the Lord brought me to himself. And um, after that, I finished my degree, started teaching, and then eventually uh, enrolled in seminary. Okay. Our business, our business background, I taught school uh, for a while, a short while, and then went into business. Um, we, my husband and I have a small consultancy. Uh, we work with people who have national government contracts, both to write their proposals and then to set up their required documentation to implement and, um, and to perform the contract. It's real estate related. Uh, Bill and I both have, um, advanced designations in commercial real estate and in portfolios of, of homes, housing. So it couldn't be any different from what I'm doing yeah. now. But uh, okay. after after 20, <clears throat> close to 30 years of doing that, um, uh, all during that time, my heart was to teach Bible. My calling was to teach Bible. My gifting was to teach Bible. And I've done that uh, alongside uh, running our business, but as as b- small business owners, it's it's um, it's challenging, but it does afford you some free time. So, um, okay. even though I won't finish my master's until this year, um, I've done an awful lot of self study, a lot of reading, uh, a lot of the folks who are um, very instrumental at SES and some of their predecessors, like Dr. Geisler and um dr zook and some of the other folks that you you know well all right all right cool so are you you guys still in business the the business still going for the most part we're we're retired we have one or two clients who call us up occasionally but um we have we've worked (laughs) together in prison ministry um, I've spent some time on the board of international Christian organizations with a focus on women and orphans and in particular in Africa. So I've made several trips over there and helped, uh, organizations to set up, uh, programs and projects that help those who really don't have a safety net. And, um, okay. that's been a true joy, a blessing. So in your retirement, uh, are you in a, like a um, a high-rise luxury apartment overlooking the Trent River there? <laughs> no, I am in eastern North Carolina. We do live between two rivers, the Noose River and the Trent River. We were right. taking a trip to, um, to the Holy Land uh, right after Hurricane Florence and listening to Arabic language television and saw Newburn, North Carolina, in uh, in in the Middle East, and um, yeah. it, you know, it was just one of those things. We were fortunate not to be inundated uh, during that one, but it is it is interesting living in Eastern North Carolina. We have a home here. Um, we're active in kayaking. We have a club that we do a lot of that with, and I'm teaching Bible and. Uh, my husband is working with men's groups as as a mentor, and um, that's that keeps us pretty busy. We also have ten grandchildren, so that keeps oh wow, us busy okay, 
Cool. They're not around here. We have uh, okay. four in Dallas <laughs> and uh, uh, and four or five down in South Carolina. Just one here. Okay. You when you talk uh, Eastern North Carolina, you know you're speaking my language. That's where I'm from, and my <laughs> older brother currently lives down uh, near uh, between Moorhead City and Emerald Isle. So in that area, our, so, our yeah. church is in Newport. Uh, okay. Uh, All Saints, yeah, All Saints Anglican Church. We uh, okay. make the trek in what we call our little church car, the very fuel efficient little car that we right. run back and forth to church. Yeah, because you got a ways to go down seventy there, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Marla, you're talking about you've been talking about uh, um, teaching Bible. Uh, give us some more specifics. Uh, what sort of you know, a platform are you using? What sort of people are you reaching? Uh, what topics are you teaching currently or recently? Well, the um, the time of the lockdown uh, taught me how to do what we're doing right now yeah, and connect right. with connect with people in those little Hollywood squares boxes. You know, yes, um, I remember so I that taught, game. Um, <laughs> I taught, uh, I like to teach Bible. I like to teach the, the last uh, full book that I taught was uh, Hebrews. Um, and it was a couple's course. Uh, my husband has the gift of administration and organization leadership. And so we're a team. Uh, I do most okay. of the talking. He does most of the organization. And um, then we recently taught a 12-week course on um, Psalm 23, and I call it Believers Look Closely at the Shepherd's Psalm. Um, I like to write and uh, put together PowerPoints and make it visual and make it interactive. That fortunately was person to person at our church, so um, that that was just a real blessing. I've also worked on some... Um, some studies that have to do with connecting um, Judaism and Christianity. I have a dear friend who pastors, uh, Bill and I have supported them for many years. They pastor the Jerusalem Baptist Church. And we've been over there to spend uh, extended periods of time with them. And um, I've written a Haggadah uh, for the Seder dinner. I call it the Fulfillment because it is the Seder um, order of events and the script that is used in Jewish homes every year, only from the Christian perspective with Jesus as the Passover lamb and the fulfillment of all of the things that God pictured in the Exodus and in the first Passover. So that's something that I enjoy doing. Um, and I okay. can't tell you how much help it is to have the background. I have Dr. Howe for Old Testament survey this semester, and I have you for New Testament survey. And stitching the two things together with your expertise, the expertise of yours and others uh, at SES has been such a benefit. Yeah, you had uh, emailed me recently, actually, about... Um... So I think you're about to do a little research on uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, as a bridge between 
the Jewish world and the the new covenant world. Yes, um, a lot of the a lot of the Bible quotations that I use in the fulfillment, and it's a dinner. You know, it's the full seder dinner, right, the Passover right. dinner with cups of wine and everything else, um, and putting together just the the poignancy and the perfection of what God fulfilled at that Passover where Jesus gave himself as the Paschal Lamb uh, has been fantastic. Um, I took your course on John and of course, just, you know, it was just immersive. It was very, very strong, very special. But this one in Matthew is opening my eyes to that bridge um, mm-hmm. I think that's a term you've used, although I didn't discover that until after I'd already thought about this paper topic. Uh, Matthew is a bridge. And I, I do believe that um, Matthew stepped up when uh, the oral traditions were going awry and becoming diluted and wrote his gospel uh, for yeah, that bridge. Well- <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, you mentioned the wine at the uh, Seder service. So I'm a Baptist. We use grape juice. But anyway, we have <laughs> grape juice. We have grape Ma- juice. <laughs> Matthew, um, Matthew begins, you know, perhaps one of the reasons, if not the reason Matthew's placed first in the canon. Interestingly, um, I mean, he starts out with sounding like uh Samuel or or Moses way back with all these lists of these so-and-so begot so-and-so. I mean, he's right in line yes. with, with the Jewish uh, genealogies, but he's connecting them now. I mean, he goes back to yes. Ruth, Boaz, you know, e- even before and, and down to Jesus. Wow. For my, uh, for my particular interest, for obvious reasons, I love the fact that Matthew included the five women in the lineage of Jesus. And each of the four before Mary was one of those women that wouldn't get a place of honor if it hadn't been for the goodness of God and the fact that all along he intended to bless the entire world um, through this program for redeeming humankind. And the women... (laughs) yeah. <clears throat> played like a large part in that and he names yes. those those four and then mary mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know if you can find this online i was actually just with uh my doctor father uh my my phd mentor at seminary was david allen black and i actually just got to I know, see I, him I love last that. weekend he was north of charlotte last weekend uh preaching at a at a church so i went to see him on sunday evening uh, but I don't know if you can find this online, but he preached a sermon at, at chapel at Southeastern Seminary one time on the gospel according to four women. And he came out of the Matthew uh, text. Wow. Uh, I love that. That is yeah, that yeah. is fantastic. The gospel according to four that's- women. That's that's good because. And again, Matthew as the bridge, I, I'm man, you're, you're just reopening Matthew. I haven't taught Matthew in a, a little while here. I need I need to offer that again. Uh, it it just whole, it keeps the door the back door open to the Old Testament so you can go back in there and see I mean all of these connections these people the these uh, issues you know uh, uh, Rahab 
uh, Ruth, yes. uh, the wife yes. of Uzziah, you know, as she's uh, yes. called there. And, and yes. um, man, wow. That's and good. Tamar. Yes. So, you yes. know, those, those women, um, any woman who is led to study the Bible, I, I wrote a series called What a Woman. And um, pull out women from the scripture like Deborah or Huldah or mm-hmm. um, or Lydia or <clears throat> Miriam. Um, and one back to back, one week was Miriam, the next week was Mary, and how they absolutely typify what God did behind the scenes with women. And yeah, it's very yeah, special. That's- yeah, man, I, I like that. Um, I, I love, uh, well, you know, I've, I've taught a course the past couple of years here for a module on the use of the Old Testament in the New Testament. And mm-hmm. and it's not just an issue of quoting. It's, I mean, it, it no. goes so much deeper, so much deeper. These themes, the typology, the, uh, as you, back to John's gospel, the, uh, uh, the um, Old Testament, uh, sacrifices the festivities back from luke uh, i'm sorry leviticus 23 um yes the the new testament guys and gals their bible was the old testament there wasn't a new testament so right yeah um and and that's a whole nother topic for another day but we we had a good time with john i i especially did um the two pericopes that are unique to John that just uh, they make my heart squeeze and so many other women uh, are of course the woman at the well in four and then the pericope adulteri in in eight and that's what I wrote my paper on for John Um, and I would love to get that doctoral dissertation that you edited uh, from the fellow who did that john so you you i think um yeah you marla you email me about that i think the problem is i may have to go back and listen to my lecture because my thinking right now is it was actually i might have been referring to a guy who wrote an essay that i edited out of the woman at the well scenario Yes, and it, it was in particular, according to your lecture, and I can find it, um, uh, according to your lecture, it was in particular her statement, uh, all right, yeah. give me this living water. And yeah. uh, I, I, you alluded to the fact that the fellow writing the paper uh, thought perhaps that was um, not a request, but rather a challenge. And yes, uh, okay, from how that, she this acted is, at first, I'm with you. It, it, probably she was pretty brassy and had been jaded yeah. as Jesus knew well. So, this is actually in a fest shrift I published titled New Testament Philology Essays in Honor of David Allen Black. And the guy who wrote that chapter is actually a professor at Dallas, Joseph Fanton. <laughs> Uh, That's the name. I'd forgotten the name. Yeah. Yeah. And so his title is 
give me this water with an exclamation point in parentheses. That's what you're after. A Samaritan woman, right. Jesus, and an imperative walk into a pub. Communicative intentions in John 4.15. That's the type of stuff scholars do. Just I like that stuff. I, challenging I, I, titles, sure yeah. I'm pretty sure I couldn't create it, but I certainly do love to read it. So yeah. Joseph it's in, Fantanen. It's in this book. I, uh, yeah, I'm what sure is he it is. called again? Uh, this is called New Testament Philology. Rich. Yeah, it's okay. New Testament Philology. You can actually get it on Kindle, I think. And that I published that in 2018. But yeah, that was a great essay by uh, Fanton. It was one of the more lively sort of, uh, uh, yeah, just really interesting uh, topics in there. Okay, well, I'll look the, for that. And these guys and, and gals. Uh, do, uh, go ahead. Good of you to do that for Dr. Black. Uh, yeah. I, I really, I've looked at some of his YouTube videos since reading um, uh, Why Four Gospels. And mm -hmm. oh, it's right here in front of me. I'm reading that. Yeah. I don't know if that can show oh, yeah. up. But anyway, um, I've looked at some of his YouTube videos. He's very likable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a great. I, I'm so glad I got to see him last weekend. I hadn't seen him in four years since I presented that book to him in chapel at Southeastern Seminary. So I had, hadn't seen him. But, you know, he's I think he said he's 70 now or he's past 70 years old. And, um, you know, he's a widower now. His his wife, Miss oh. Becky Lynn, passed away several years ago from a rare form of cancer. And she was a sweet, godly woman as well. Um, but he's he's uh, staying busy, still teaching Greek, actually, 44, 45 years teaching Greek now. He was at Biola uh, until the late 90s, I guess, and came to Southeastern Baptist Seminary in Wake Forest. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tremendous scholar. Well, I'm. I'm uh, I'm thrilled that you required that book, and I will look up Joseph Fanton, and I'll look up your Feshrift, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, for Greek, third semester Greek, I also required David Black's uh, intermediate Greek grammar titled, It's Still Greek to Me. I mean, he's just, he's a good <laughs> writer. He's just got all these great, uh, memorable uh, chapter <laughs> titles, you know, like, uh, up the Greek without a paddle or row, row, row your boat, like R-H-O, the letter, Greek letter, row. But anyway, right, right. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although he was That's extremely good. daunting and intimidating to sit in his Greek classes, I can tell you that now. I, I uh, never sweated in, under professors like I did David Black. Well, maybe one well, more named uh, Bruce Little, but yeah, yeah you learn uh, from those yeah. folks. So yeah. So um, is there, um, let me switch gears, Marla, to ask about your passion and interest in apologetics. Mm. Or are you more Thank you. Uh, biblical studies person? I'm a biblical studies person, but having come from a business background for decades um, and having come to Christ because someone had the the fortitude to battle the attack mm. against Christianity. And that attack is 
it, you know, that, that was many years ago. I came to Christ, you know, over 50 years ago, but um, it was strong and it was brutal. And I know from my teaching younger people and my, my uh, sons and my daughters-in-law and, and their kids that it's gotten nothing but worse. And of course, we see it in the culture more than ever before. If, if we are not prepared, um, as it's so often said, to uh, give a defense with respect and uh, with kindness, but with all kinds of intellectual firepower behind our kindness, we are not able to stand in the gap for the Lord in this culture. And that means that, you know, from my perspective, um, you're on the sidelines. We need to have more people who are willing to say, you know, what if I told you that um, recent archaeological studies have proven that so much of the Bible that people doubted is really true, provably with archaeological discoveries? Or yeah. what would you say if I told you that all of the recent scientific developments, including astrophysics and the Webb telescope and all these things that are going on currently, does nothing but support what the Bible has to say and has always said about creation and about the laws of physics and about the fact that our, wor our world works the way it does because God intended to have people come to himself. You know, if you... And that's a long way to put that question. I can put it a lot. Well, no, but that, this is great. Simple asking simple questions, but uh, questions that are going to open the door, open people's minds to actually think outside of their little box that they've with which they've boxed themselves in. You know, that's yeah. good. That's good. Ask just and asking you know, those it, questions. That's the that's kind of my go to opener. What would you say okay. if, because what I'm saying is I really care about what you think. Mm -hmm. well, let me throw this out here and see what you think. What would you say if, and um, people, people like to express their opinions. I, I, I tell some of my students, opinions are like elbows. Everybody has a couple and they're very attached to them. Um, yeah. And that yeah. is, that's the place to start. What would you say if? What's your opinion about? And um, and then bring up not too much. It's you know it's not a lecture. It's a conversation. And I love yeah, how uh, SES equips people to do that better. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, uh, are there any? hot topics within apologetics that you feel are you're passionate about or and or are easy for Christians to kind of get get going and begin using this other than that we've got the questions that's more of a tool what about some of the topics that you're familiar with well again from my own unique perspective uh, as a woman one of the things that gets me going is what is a woman and when it 
elevates itself up to Capitol Hill and a hearing for the highest judicial position in the land, uh, and that question is dodged or damaged or just deferred, I, I think, let's stop a minute. 50% of the world and many of the women that I work with in, in Africa um, and women that I work with in, in business as well, um, they have a say about that, but it's become so difficult to even talk. I'm, I'm working with a young woman right now um, who has uh, been afflicted with same-sex attraction and she and I are going through um, step by step what does the Lord say and how is that important to you and which is your best path and I, I told her I said you know we'll we'll be very frank about this um, but to tell you the way I look at it I would um, rather stand with God and be judged by the world then stand with the world and be judged by god so mm -hmm. let's compare the two perspectives and then you decide what's best for you but you have well, to good. listen that's uh so hey that's a discipleship always been good, good for big. you <laughs> women's issues are big for me okay so-called women's right. issues yeah yeah well this issue with what is a woman has a uh, and you mentioned the word afflicted that word afflicted that's really afflicting the whole world right now that we're so we've gotten to a point where we can't answer what is a woman i mean that's one of the most fundamental questions any human could answer but we choose not to because of politics and whatnot uh, because of the, fl the flow of culture yeah, people have become um, brutalized for having opinions that, mm -hmm. you know, just a very few years ago would have been absolutely common sense. But yeah. uh, anyway, I, I, I like to help. And, and of course, as a as a grandmother, I despise the fact that uh, children are being encouraged to consider uh, just absolutely horrible things. I remember fighting against uh, female circumcision in certain cultures in Africa. And the Western world had no problem saying, no, no, don't do that. Um, mm -hmm. But now people will mutilate themselves and and uh, do so simply because it's trendy. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't see it that way, but I do. But and that female so circumcision, it, is that not uh, largely confined to Muslim areas, or, or is that not true? It it is it is Muslim, but it's also in animist cultures. Um, oh, okay, where okay. Uh, again again uh, uh, women are uh, uh, so poorly regarded. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's 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 a very and then you know <clears throat> child so rights and all the rest. Yeah. So you've done missionary work in Africa, I suppose. And what countries there have you been in? Well, um, I've been in all sub-Saharan African countries. So uh, Kenya, Uganda, um, 
I was in South Sudan when there was no diplomatic recognition of Sudan from the United States. So your passport and there was no embassy and all the rest. We went into the bush uh, with Missionary Aviation Fellowship. And, you know, I'm familiar if with it this isn't for the if if it isn't for the Lord, you will have no protection. None. Mm-hmm. None of the things you count on as a citizen of uh, a world power. But um uh, then also uh, Zambia and um, Zimbabwe, we've set up some, um, I'm sorry for the clock, I forgot to turn it off. That's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, the projects that we've set up are designed to be self-sustainable. So at a point after the initial uh, ramp up and launch, people are encouraged to um, to expand their whatever it is, poultry business, uh, sewing projects, whatever yeah. it is, expand right. it from the base that they receive and then um, not only uh, support themselves and their families and, and others in their immediate sphere, but also help start that same project somewhere else. And it could be, you know, just across the river or, uh, on the other side of this row of trees, uh, I know some women over there who have a difficult time with food security. Maybe this would work for them. So as a, as an international organization, we don't, we have to have people, uh, managing and organizing and expanding in the local area. Otherwise, it's like so much, um, first world aid into Africa. It's like, pouring water into the desert it just yeah. goes away and that's right um, it's and, it's uh, so- soaked up by other other uh, greedy folks right. yeah right so if so, you work as closely as possible to the hands that are going to pluck the right. chickens or plant there the seeds go. or so what's the, the name of, can can you give the name of this particular organization you're referring I to i certainly can there are two uh, the first one is Alarm, and uh, the founder and and uh, uh, head of Alarm, it stands for African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries. Okay. Um, Alarm was established by a Baptist pastor in Rwanda. He and his wife are from the two different tribes that annihilated one another in 1994, and um, he started Alarm uh, shortly after that. He has his PhD from, I don't, does he have a THD? I'm not sure. Anyway, he has his doctorate from Dallas. I uh, got to know him in Dallas. That was the first trip that I took. And that was the trip that took me into Sudan because we were setting up um, ministries <laughs> for women whose husbands weren't uh, able to continue either the church or uh, the government, local government in villages. And then the other one is partners in action, partners in action. And okay. there's a gold standard, um, uh, facility in Swaziland now called Eswatini. Um, it's a, it's one of the few remaining, uh, absolute monarchies and, the king decided to change the name of the country. So it's now Eswatini. It sounds like a cocktail okay. drink or something, but now it's Eswatini. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, there's a there we took over an entire village up in the mountains and developed it into a Christian community. So we took over what had been a, a British mining town in the 40s and 50s and <laughs> turned it into a safe haven for we have 400 orphans and we have at risk women who are aunties who care for the orphans in their little individual okay. cottages that were mining uh, the miners' see, cottages. So see, it's you, crazy. you mentioned you mentioned women. Uh, so a pioneer missionary lady, uh, you know, did this stuff in India back in the day. Amy Carmichael, I'm sure you're familiar. Yes. I, I read her yes. biography by Elizabeth Elliot. It's titled A Chance to Die. And uh, just mm. the stories of what was going on at that, at that time, which I think still goes on in some areas. But she uh, yes. really, uh, you know, you know, provided this commune this safe haven for those girls. Yes. So y'all, y'all have done basically yes. the same thing. That's interesting. Same kind so, of thing. It's the same principle is uh, give people uh, safety, education, opportunity, and food security, and then let their own creativity and their own skills. And God has gifted every single one of them who come to the Lord with something special to give yep. Um, and so that's what we do. Okay. And Marla, if you're, if you will please email me links to these and, uh, do you, I'll put these in the description below and, uh, we're, uh, we've been talking with Marla Webb today. She's a missionary Bible teacher, wife, business, uh, person, grandmother, all kinds of things. And, uh, I appreciate you being here today. Do you have another like your own uh, website or online ministry that people could find? You know, I've, I've looked into doing that, but haven't gotten around to it. There are a lot of things that are swirling around for 2023 after I complete this master's uh, course of study. Okay. Well, listen, let's do this. Particular if you, for if me. You, do this if you want to, Marla. When you send me the information for those uh, alarm and the other website um, links, if you want to um, provide some contact way to get in touch with you, I'll put that certainly. in the description. Certainly, be, certainly be aware it's going out globally on YouTube, but uh, that's up to you. Absolutely, that's okay. okay. That's all right. I would welcome the opportunity to encourage. Uh, anyone who finds themselves in, you know, some kind of um, correlation to what I'm doing or what I have done. I, I figured you'd say about that, say that. So um, <laughs> listen, uh, any closing uh, thoughts or uh, uh, recommendations, uh, words of encouragement to the church at large? I would, uh, I, I would simply say, that with the time the Lord gives us individually and corporately, it's most important to focus on standing in the gap against the cultural degradation that we see all around us and elevating people to know him and to become uh, everything that he has for them to be. Uh, that is the calling for everyone and how you're gifted is just how you fit into that global church 
uh, position. I, I think we all have such an important role to play, um, regardless how little it seems to us at the time. All right. That's a wonderful point. Uh, thank you, Marla. And you hang on just a second. I'm going to sign off here with folks. We've been listening to Marla Webb from Eastern North Carolina, uh, but uh, this lady reaches out globally uh, with the gospel and service. And so thanks for joining us today. And uh, thank you all. Yep. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to the Bible Professor podcast.